It seemed a day like any other day. Bob Barker, the master of ceremonies of The Price is Right, arrived at the CBS Television City studio to do the work. Bob Barker was the MC of the highest order. TV Guide called The Price is Right the greatest game show of all time. That's because Bob Barker is a G. Born in the state of Washington in 1923, when our 30th president, John Calvin Coolidge, was in office, Bob was a host with more than most, as in 19 Emmys. But this day would not be a day like any other for the 70-year-old star. For on this, the 8th day of June, in the year 1994, Bob would come face-to-face with our Sports Stories guest today, the one and only Christopher McGee. Chris, a student-athlete at Cal State University Northridge, had come to the CBS studio with a few of his spirited friends. As soon as the studio announcer, Rod Roddy, who succeeded the legendary Johnny Olsen in the role, called out, Christopher McGee, come on down. McGee went down, as in he fell down, like his hero Chevy Chase. Rod Roddy was a little shook up, but it was an animal-loving barker that would now have to deal with the guy we all know as Geeter, the man in time who would redefine the art of being an MC at Pro Beach Volleyball events and would win an Emmy as the host of the Los Angeles Lakers Access Sportsnet show. Now was the time for Geeter to announce himself to the world. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians. This is part two of three of Life is Sweeter with Geeter, where Chris McGee drains the three. You can go to our website and find the link to watch or listen to part one. We've also been populating our website with original content that you may enjoy. So head to sportsstoriespodcast.com and enjoy. And please help us grow our audience by giving us a review and sharing the podcast. Christopher McGee is what Rod Roddy called the guy we all know as Geeter on The Price is Right. And if you've not seen the edited YouTube of Geeter on the show, search it out. It is well worth a look. On the show, you can see the traits that will make Geeter a star. It's not just the banter or the dance moves. It's not just how he gets the audience going or how he interacts with Bob Barker. It is all of that, and it's fun. Geeter is talented, no doubt. But above all, he's fun. The greatest MC the game of beach volleyball has ever seen, and the studio host for the Los Angeles Lakers learned a thing or two about being an entertaining announcer while growing up a Laker fan in the 80s. He not only got to cheer on the Showtime Lakers, he got to listen to the man who redefined having fun as a play-by-play announcer, the great Chick Hearn. Born in Illinois in 1916 while World War I was still raging overseas, and our 28th president, Thomas Woodrow Wilson, was in office working on his 14 points. Francis Dale Earn earned his nickname as a young man in the 1930s playing AAU basketball while at Bradley University. Then going by Francis, his teammates played a prank on him, handing him a shoebox to see his surprised reaction when he opened it up only to find a dead chicken. Wait, what? What the... 
Oh, those good old whimsical days when we handed a box to our friends with a dead animal in it. Not okay. Can you imagine how upset that would make the pet lover and animal activist Bob Barker? Wasn't this during the Depression? They should be eating chicken, not playing post-mortem pranks with them. That prank is, by the way, way outside of the AAU player code of conduct. So, I suppose Chick came to terms with the origin story of his name. Then in 1938, he met and married Marge, the love of his life. Chick joined the Lakers when they moved from Minneapolis to Los Angeles in 1960. As a play-by-play announcer, he was as big a part of the Lakers' popularity in Los Angeles as was the play of Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, or Wilt Chamberlain. Chick Hearn made the games fun to listen to, inventing phrases and terms that are now part of the basketball lexicon. Slam dunk, air ball, no harm, no foul are just a few. His trademark call when victory was secured, the game's in the refrigerator, the door's closed, the light's out, the eggs are cooling, the butter's getting hard, and the jello's jiggling. It was classic Chick, and as a Laker fan, it was silly, it was fun, a ritual that only increased your love for the game, your team, and Chick. He was so entertaining, you forgot he had an analyst calling the game with him. The analyst's job was like being a backup quarterback. Just hold the clipboard and wait to see if you get a chance to participate. Chick loved the Lakers and the fans loved him back. He called 3,338 consecutive games between 1965 and 2001. The streak broken by a surgery and compounded by a fall. Chick returned to his beloved perch high above the sideline in April of 2002, and I was there with my wife, Christine. The fans' standing ovation that night in Staples Center when he was announced was a truly emotional moment. And looking back now, I realize how fortunate we were to be there, considering Chick would die just four months later at the age of 85. The display of love that night from the fans showed the important connection he shared with the Laker faithful. Chick had a share of gigs outside of the Lakers, notably hosting and showing off his quick wit on Bowling for Dollars, which aired on KTLA TV from 1972 to 1976. Among Chick's work in motion pictures, he played himself in the 1985 movie Fletch, starring Chevy Chase in the title role. In a dream sequence, Fletch is playing for the Lakers, Chick calling the action. Fletch is actually 6'5", but with the afro 6'9". The movie is a favorite of our guest, Geeter, who, like Chick, is fun and entertaining. There is a team he captains to this day in the legendary Manhattan six-man beach volleyball tournament. They go by the name of Team Fletch, and everyone on the team dresses accordingly. The sport of beach volleyball had grown up on the shores of Southern California, entrenching itself into the way of life for beach communities. The sport was gaining popularity nationally on the domestic professional tour, the AVP, with top players like Karch Karai and Sinjin Smith. The women had formed the WPVA, where Carolyn Kirby and Angela Rock made up the top team. Both tours were staples on cable and eventually network television in the late 80s and into the 90s. Geeter got a start in announcing at a beach volleyball tournament in Cabo San Lucas, a resort city at the southern tip of the Baja California Peninsula. By the mid-90s, when Geeter took the mic full-time and started developing his unique style, the game was popular enough to become an official Olympic sport. By the 2000s, Geeter had risen to become the MC and voice of the AVP and was of similar importance to their success as Chick was to the Lakers. Like Chick, Geeter was knowledgeable, entertaining, fun, and always on top of his game. And the best part? He was just getting started. Well, now that I've dropped the king of pets, R-squared, 
Mr. Come On Down, Silent Cal, Cornelius Crane Chase, Chicky Baby, The War to End All Wars, The Professor, A Dead Chicken, Mr. Clutch, Number 22, The Big Dipper, Jimbo, Fletch, The AVP, The WPVA, Charles Frederick, Christopher St. John, and How About Kirby and Rock? Christopher McGee, come on down. It's time to take the 7428 shot. He drained the shot from deep, so we'll show it again this week. From the 7428 studio in the shadow of LAX, here is part two of a three-part interview with Laker broadcaster Chris Geeter McGee. Please note that this interview with Chris McGee was recorded January 23rd, 2020, three days prior to the death of Kobe Bryant and eight others. Bucket. <laughs> Bucket. 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 Oh, I love that you pressed that. I love that you pressed that. That's you, buddy, right there. Man, <laughs> MB. That's a good start. MB. Do it now. Do they call it Matamania? Yes. That is. Athletes still do it. That's legacy. Right? That's legacy. That's better than a statue. Oh, that's awesome. Better than a statue. That's beautiful. And then something else happened that I found, which I know has been seen, but I want to make sure we can break this down. I have a feeling. Given that. Is this Bob Barker involved? It sure is. Now, given that we're an audio and a video podcast, I'll make you, you know, comment on the play by play. The play by play here is. Because I can give you. There's a long version, but I'll give you a much shorter one. So uh, for podcast sake, yeah. For, so it's uh, it's so, Price so you, is Right. So it's Price is Right, and I'll give you the quick. Let me give you the lead up to this moment because it's important. Okay. Okay. So a guy named Pete Michelli, who's who's a big time agent. Another guy named Darren Jones. You'll see them at the front because without them, I don't win. The TV always goes to them, and they're the ones giving me the numbers. Yeah. They watch the Price is Right every day. Got it. They ordered these tickets, fifteen of them. Okay. So. I'm going, Coley's in, got a couple guys. We, we do a draft because we're like, listen, we only got 15. We got 80 guys who want to go, and there's like there's eight that are going. I mean, okay. you know, yeah. the, 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 you know we're, we're going. We're seniors. We're, you know, it's, our, it's our time. We do a draft. We get 15 guys. Of course, we, we, we rig the draft so our boys go the whole time. But So we get up at 4 in the morning. We're, we're, and listen, I'll say it now. Listen, Mo- Mom, I'm sorry. We're drinking 40s. <laughs> we're, we're getting out there, and we're there. And to this day, I don't know why I was the first guy called. Apparently, they have people out there. So we're out there for three hours. And you're entertaining, and, I mean, aren't you? But all of our guys are. We've st- we got everyone doing the national anthem, 500 people. And I remember walking... And a lady stopped me and asked me a question about our group, and I told her about the, the earthquake had just happened. So oh, I, I and, and I don't, but but then again, we're lined up, and you're lined up 400 people in a line, and a guy named Phil is in a chair just like you are with two Barker beauties on his side, and he's got a he's got a thing right before you walk in. He said, "What's your name? I'm Denny Lennon from blah 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 Venice Backyard Championships." And he, whatever you want to say, and. I'm like 13th in line of my guys, and my guys are given the funniest. Coley Kime goes into his ankle, and all the guys, he goes, what's your name, and uh, what do you do? Uh, why do you want to be here? Whatever he said to me, I go, I go, my name's Christopher Joseph McGee, and I just came to play ball, Phil. <laughs> That's all I said. Solid. That's all I said. Concise. And I'm like, what does that Funny. even mean? Walked in. This is a true story, and you're going to see this in a second. And that says- This is a true story. We're there. 
and every, and the guy comes out, Roddy or whatever his name is. He's telling you like, hey, don't touch Bob. He's fragile. He's going through the whole thing. And he's like, listen, it's going to be really loud. And first of all, you're in this like studio and you're like, it looks so big on TV. It's like six feet. The ramp is, you know. So I'm like, we're all sitting there and everyone's raging. And all of a sudden, he's like, it's going to be really loud. So the, the, the ladies will, will put up a board. You'll see a name. So make sure you look if you don't hear me because it's going to be electric in here. He's telling us. And a girl drops the, and she drops a board. The cue card. And all I saw was ER. Just ER. It's a true story. And I thought, Christopher McGee. <laughs> and I swear to God, I sat down and I got the gnarliest nerves. I thought I was going to throw up. Wow. And Keith Gibbs, basketball player, standing next to me. I grab him. He's like 6'8", but I grab his leg because he's standing still raging. I go, dude, I think they're going to call me. And he's like, what? <laughs> and dude, I'm, I'm like, Danny, I am in a full panic. And here's the deal. You'll see this. When they call me, Everyone thinks I trip. That's a Chevy Chase fall. Do you remember Chevy used to fall? Absolutely. Every single Saturday Night Live to open yeah. the show. Gerald Ford. That was my thing in be. college. I would always fake fall. Chevy Chase. We loved him. So that's why oh, we have Team Fletch for 25 so years. Good. Six. So the night before, we're raging, and everyone's like, "What do you do if you get called?" And everyone's talking. And I'm like, "Dude, for sure, Chevy fall." So when I get called here, you'll see me. That's a fake fall, and you see that old guy try to get me, and I popped up, and all of a sudden. I was like, Madame Mane, that's why I'm breakdancing. I just started breakdancing. Dancing? The this whole time. Is so good. Yeah. God, that's deep intel. <laughs> that is deep intel. So you'll see. So, so I'm the first name called in the whole show. Yeah. Christopher McGee, Here come on comes. down. And I was right. They're going to find me. Here I come. Fake. Fall. Boom. I'm on the ground. Oh, that guy, guys, no will get me. Way. I pop up. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh. Yeah. I lawnmower down. Next thing you know. Like it. Yeah, there I go. And what's uh, and now I'm just like third base coaching it, waving people down. If you see, uh, they'll show oh, me a little that's bit. So oh good. yeah, I'm waving her down now. I'm dancing with her and hugging and her. And it was cold out because yeah, apparently. But by the way, biggest goof ever. I'm wearing jorts and a sweatshirt around my waist. Mm -hmm. Still get heckled thirty years later. I, I, I would, yeah, yeah, I would. I don't gonna, care. I was gonna lay off of that. Yeah. Um, so we move forward a little move bit. Move forward uh, uh, way later in the show because I can't win anything. Right. Uh, I win a Murray Feist three piece lamp set. I just go one more dollar than this lady, so, fifty-one bucks. And he is get, and Bob and by the way, is getting if you're agitated listening to me, because yeah. he keeps going. This is going to last forever. You know, yeah, and I'm like looking to my guys because I'm clueless on everything. Like, but you got like you. These are all Parker. my guys. Yeah, Bob. And by the way, I'm calling him Bob. And I don't know if you know this, but yes. uh, there was a great movie when you and I were kids, The Blues Brothers. Yeah. And Dan Aykroyd. Hey Bob. Hey, Bob. Yep. So that's why I'm calling him Bob the whole show. Oh, <clears throat> Seven fifty-one. Murray Feist three-piece lamp set was with me for 11 years until my fiance, who's now my wife, years. made me throw it out when we moved in together. So you come up. If those lamps could tell stories. And they're going to, what's this? This is too good. That's a Mercury Grand Marquis. And, and really? Yeah. Did you drive this around? So, so I don't know in this version because it's totally edited. My buddy put it up. But you'll see. So, so you keep changing. This the is numbers. how clueless clue I am. So my wife knows I, this. Show. I went like to thirty nine thousand. My first bid is thirty nine thousand. Yeah, for a Mercury. For and that's, that's wrong. It's a ten thousand dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I'm winning because there's no beep. There's no buzzing. So watch, like, he's like. So watch. I think you'll 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 see this. This is the best part of the whole show. I'm. When it gets to zero here, I start jumping around oh, and I'm celebrating. Brilliant. I haven't won anything yet. <laughs> And I come back, and Bob's like, where are you going? And I lean in, and I go, I'm just heading for the car, Bob. <laughs> and I switch the numbers. And So right now, I'm so, thinking, So yeah. you're switching these uh, yeah, numbers switching through. the numbers. And you'll see Pete and Darren there. This They're helping so me good. out. When Karch Karai got a hold of this, by the way, yeah. he, he went up. He, he couldn't believe it. Everyone, you know, yeah. 
eight years after I'd done it, someone finally told him, yeah, that, look at me jumping around. There I am jumping around like a complete jackass. <laughs> you haven't yeah. done anything. Heading for the car, Bob. I, I thought you were just where I was I say, he's heading for the car, Bob. And he goes, don't head for there yet. <laughs> head, we're on our way, Bob. Heading for the car, Bob. Oh, man. So real quick, Karch grabs the mic at an AVP event to the whole crowd before the finals and tells the story and then puts it on the jumbo tron. <laughs> so every, every few years it just pops up. I thought okay, I, so I'm, so. I'm all freaked out. I got so I have two numbers right, which you don't see that part. So I have to change three numbers. So, so I change the nine. I'm sorry, a seven to a nine. I change the three to a one, seven to a nine. And now this is where it's a miracle. I think Pete, my some, we, we're still trying to this day figure You're out like who who got me. We think we think I I accidentally back into the second eight to a six. I would, I would say this yeah, is the like, beginning of your broadcast career here, right here. Because you're owning the stage, it, 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 right? It, and, and here it goes. So, I mean, switch around the races is really an awful yeah. look uh, with the jorts. Mm. But now, now High we're tops. getting close. So now I'm starting to get get that nervous feeling again, Dan. Yeah, here it comes. Now, 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 now it's coming. I'm going to go into a coach's here. stance. So the, the, we used to go into so coach's stance. Whenever we needed a side out on the sideline, I would get our whole bench to do this. <laughs> so now I'm in a coach's stance, and now I win. So good. So here's the thing. Don't I tell Bob, Bob, I look at Bob, and I go, I'm going down. And I go down to the ground, and I do the windmill <laughs> kick, and he has no – he could not believe it. And then I go, mashed potato sprinkler straight into a handshake, which oh. looks like it was coordinated. It was just one of the luckiest things of all time. Oh, that – well played. Thank you. Well played. So the funny thing about this, after I'm sitting there on Golly. the side, you don't get to go back with your crew. If, 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 we, have, if we have people that Daddy. are just watching yeah, – They're going to go nuts. Uh, on, uh, I mean, are just listening – it's important that they looked at him. Yeah. It just, you just go Geeter. Price is right. Price is right. When, when I won, you then go off to the side. I'm not with my boys for the next hour and a half, right? And um, the, the lady comes over to me and she goes, what do you do? And I'm like, um, well, I just got done playing volleyball in Northridge. I'm a waiter at Marie Callender's. And, uh, and she's like, uh, Bob just wanted you to know that was incredible. Bob, I'm like, sweet. That's awesome. And they had to sign some things. You know, I walk out, and the whole next show knows I've won, and I got the pink slip to the car, and I'm running high-fiving 500 people. There was no cell phones that day. So I pulled over to call my mom and dad on a payphone. Oh, wow. And my mom's like, you didn't go to class? I'm like, no, shut up. Listen. I want a car on The Price is Right in a Murray Feist three-piece lamp set. <laughs> we went back. A um, couple of the young ladies that, that you see on the show, we'll tell you about this later, off air, we they came to back to Northridge to party with us. Oh, we had the greatest fun. party of all time that night. But everyone thought I was rich. Wow! So I was buying. I didn't have any money except tips from no. the counters. But I thought I was rich. So I got the car, do some sold it for oh. sixteen thousand, paid four thousand taxes, walked away with twelve grand. Okay. And it aired the day we all graduated. So back at our condos where we lived, there was like eight families all came over to our house. Probably had seventy people in our condo. Because we had had to tape it because we were graduating and watched the prices. Memory, right. what a great memory! Wait, on that show, did you get to the showcase showdown? No, Frank from Florida spun a dollar. Oh, yeah. okay. Now that me. That'll mean something. But that my, my wife Christine is like, ask him if he got so, to the showcase. And by the showdown. way, ironically, Darren and Pete helped that guy, Frank, which would have been me, win the double because they knew they were oh, they within a thousand dollars. Yes, They're like they savants. they carried him. And he won the whole both. He won a motorhome. Oh, and a, so we, the, the whole thing has been people don't realize, but they've all, the 15 of us, those guys have this gone on for the last 25 years going, dude, if Geeter had gone to the showcase, 
We would have won a motorhome. I mean, dude, dude, you should have seen the gifts I'm, back then. We're going to go deeper into that. We're going to do, we're gonna do a series. <laughs> Just, we're gonna I, you know what I've always thought, by the way? What's I don't that? know. I've always thought one day I would be the host of Price is Right. Mm. What a story that would be. That would be. Guy wins a car. Be full first time ever on TV. And he ends up being the host. And you're so fortunate because Bob didn't. How long did he last? Oh, man, Maybe like another. Time, he did. He well, I, don't, I mean, who, Drew Carey does it? Who does it now? Yeah. But wow. But you were there in the heart of it. Heart of it. People are loving that. Uh, I was there, yeah, that was 94. That is something. Some stuff started to come out right after. Bob got in a little, yeah. a little hot water. But he, he made some ground with the animals. He so did. That's he good. did. He so did. that's loved, good. Loved, you know, the, loved the animals. You know, it's like you get in trouble. Neuter your pets. And you, yeah. And you, wanna, you, put, you put out a lot of good content to yep. eat down the bad content. Exactly. That's what Bob did. That's what Bob did. Mm-hmm. 100%. We'll give him that. Hey guys, this is Marley, and I'm the producer. I finally got these guys to shut up for a second so we could do a commercial. Of all the tequila joints in all the towns in all the world, you need to walk into Casablanca Restaurant in Venice, a proud sponsor of Sports Stories. When Carlos Haro Jr., the manager of Casablanca, was a young man, he made his mark in Venice at St. Mark's School, where he led his team to several championships and was named the 1990 Athlete of the Year. As his coach in those days... Whenever Carlos would score a hoop in basketball, I would immediately call for the team to play it again, Carlos. We even had one play called, Here's Looking at You, Carlos, where we deceived the defense by making it look like we are going to give it to Carlos, then dropped it in to Big Daddy Jeff Flores for the bucket. As time goes by, you'll want to round up the usual suspects and head to Casablanca Restaurant in Venice. Mention sports stories with Denny Lennon to either Carlos Sr. or Carlos Jr. and get a free dessert. Sports stories in Casablanca Restaurant in Venice. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You doing a lot of coaching uh, concurrent yeah. while you're at Northridge, right? Yeah, so I was. You, uh, you got you got coaching. pulled in when you're still yeah. at Northridge. Man, 18, I started young, eighteen too. years old. Yeah, I started real young. Yeah. Assisting at club for JOs and all that stuff, and went back to my old high school and helped uh, Coach Slatham, who I mentioned before. I was kind of destined to be a basketball coach at Crespi. That's my job was lined up. Paul Muff had basically hired me. Um, I was a senior at Northridge. I was graduating in six months. I was going to go back and be the freshman basketball coach. And Paul passed away uh, late January of 1994. And that that really affected you? It did. I never went back on that campus, which was really weird, Mm. um, until... And he was your coach for four years, right? No, only two, but he was just very instrumental, and he was my guy. But I would go back and coach every summer after that, so for his camp. And... What was ironic about it all was he dies. Um, my volleyball career ends up at Stanford. We lost to Pepperdine mm. in regionals. I cried my eyes out. My mom had to come get me out of the locker room, and it was my last ever sporting event. Mm. And it was Tim Jensen and Jared Elliott. Jared Elliott was a very good friend of mine mm-hmm. at the time. And Jared said, Jared was coaching at Marymount. He wasn't at SC and then Texas. And he said, uh, dude, my buddy Craig Forsyth can't coach this 17s team anymore. Mm-hmm. Can you come coach them for the last two months and take them to the festival? Mm. And I went. I got I, I, Dude, I couldn't even get off the couch. And those girls, I credited them. They rallied me. I went, and I fell in love with coaching. We had a great run at festival. And I next year I was coaching with Tim and Jared, and I never looked back. That's why I didn't go to Crespi. Wow. I ended up going to – Tim got me a job at Campbell Hall, and I was at Campbell Hall. The next time I went to Crespi was four years later when Campbell Hall, we went and smashed Crespi. Okay. Yeah, he went met, back in. Yeah, went back and beat him. With the, you know, it's it's interesting because um, I've seen different parallels. Um, you, you did the same thing I did, little mm-hmm. calling yep. games, that kind of stuff. But I, you know, I lost a, a really close friend when I was like nineteen. Yeah, you know, it and, it, it, um, it, it, it and, and changes it's, things. It's, it's, a, it's a 
difficult time to deal with that because you're not yeah. fully developmentally. 100%. And so you don't understand all of it. But the one saving grace was I was coaching at the time. Yeah. And for some reason, that kind of spirit of athletics, yeah. you know, helped help, help the whole process. Danny, you knew Mike Whitmarsh. I mean, Mike was mm. one of my best friends in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Karch, uh, very tight with Mike. I mean, we all were. And uh, he was a guy I talked to every day. Mm-hmm. And when he passed away, it, you know, that's what, uh, 10 years ago now. I mean, I it's affected me to the, you know, to this day. Like, so it doesn't even matter. Like 19 is so young to lose someone. So is 31. So is 40. It's man. It's crazy when you lose that, that guy or 19 is way too young to, to, to lose a buddy. So you're, you're hooked on, um, on coaching and, and I think that was my path around, um, what? 95. Yeah. So you're hanging with your boys in Cabo. Yeah. hanging with (laughs) And they did do your research. And and they throw you a mic. Yeah. Threw me a mic. Um, because it's a, what is it? A, kind it of was a, a six-man tournament. Fe- oh. One female, five guys. Easter weekend, AVP had a break. Okay, I went down for the first time. They throw me a mic. Our team had already lost. I was on a team with like Parker Blackman. That's my first time meeting him. Mm-hmm. All these volleyball guys are down there. I mean, Steve Timmons is down there. Witty's down there. Dodd's mm-hmm. down there. I'll jam. I mean, everybody having a good time and having a great time. And and I was out in the water. And a couple guys came out there and go, Gita, they need a guy to announce. You're I never only announced a year in my life. Moved from the prices, right? Never announced. Never announced my life. Grabbed the microphone and just started like doing the Macarena was new. Started doing that. I learned it one night that on that trip. So I did that at the break. Uh, I was just drinking, doing all different voices, Marv Albert or whatever. You know, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, fast forward. Um, so for a couple of years, I started then doing Billy Burger. Had a little tour. I would help out. Wow. Small oh. time announcing. Fast forward two years, and uh, Rico and Sam Lagana, both their wives were pregnant. They weren't going to be able to do every tournament. And these are the AVP? The AVP announcers, sorry. Pro-domestic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pro, they were the AVP announcers, MCs. <laughs> and John Stevenson, who who passed away not too long ago, Johnny the Steve ran the AVP. He was looking for someone else to help. And Matt Unger and Kevin Martin were like, our boy Geeter would be great at it. And he Kmart goes, Geeter. Too, huh? Yeah, he goes, Geeter, Kevin Martin. He goes, who, Geeter. And there go, he was the guy in Cabo. And John Stevenson was there. He goes, I, I love that guy. So I went and met John. Jim Rico came and met with me. And I met Jim. Jim and I talked in the parking lot for about an hour and a half. And Jim let me go on tour with him, basically, and taught me everything. Jim uh, was also a lawyer, right? Yeah, still and is. He's an attorney, and yep. um, but he would do this on the weekends. Do it on the weekends. I knew him. And be- Sam had been the longtime voice, too, and, so and they, used, they I, would I knew split. Bo- I knew both yeah. Sam and Jim because I was the women, WPVA yeah. guy. Yeah, of course. And, and they were the AVP. Yeah. And they would split that tour, and I always used to envy that they didn't have to go to every event. Oh, yeah, because they could split. Because on WPVA, yeah. I had to go to every yeah. one. And Sam was our announcer at Northridge. He worked at Northridge. And now Sam is what, the announcer for the Rams at the Coliseum? Yeah, yeah and he works at Pepperdine. In Pepperdine, yeah. Uh, That's a great wild. fundraiser. So, so, so you grab the mic and, grab and, the mic. and, and you hit a big there, and then, and then you're, uh, you're learning under Jim. So here's something crazy. that is interesting to me. Obviously, you're learning, and you're getting opportunities, and you're getting those reps. I always, yeah. I always credit those reps because you're, you, for so long in the course of a day, yeah. have to speak correctly. Correctly. Because and, you're in a microphone. it's not play-by-play per se, but it is, if that makes sense. You're not on TV calling a game, but you're doing play-by-play. And in between the serves. Color commentating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you got to do it in between serves because you're not supposed to interrupt. One of the things, and then, then of course, our big moment as MCs is the introductions. Introductions. So the introductions come, and I just followed in line with my uncle, who was the boxing announcer, Jimmy Lennon. Yeah. And basically it was like, from ding-ding, from this, from this, from this. Everyone's got their style. Now you... Have a lot of moxie, my friend. Yeah, you kinda, kinda have a lot of chutzpah. It, it, it might have. You, you it probably how, helped me. How did you? 
it got me every up job. With all of this. It might have got me every job. Yes. I, I mean, if you think about it, it's the only. It's it's it was, just, it was what people knew. I I, I it's you know a stream, uh, for for people who haven't heard you do he, he, heard you do introductions for AVP. Yeah. One, they got to look it up. Two, I'm gonna play yeah. one. I'm gonna play just a quick one yeah, right yeah. here. So so we kind of. But um, it's a stream of consciousness. You know, it's you funny. It, it doesn't started, seem like you could plan these. The things. first time I ever went down there. And did it on the sand was maybe year two. Well, in year one, I would go down with Jim. He would be up top, and I'd be down low, and I'd be yelling at everybody, and I would just break dance and have some fun and worm and do all this stuff. The next year, we were at Louisville, Kentucky at a bar, and there was a court in the middle of the bar. Uh-huh. And the bar surrounded the court, and it was an eight-team thing. And Hav were all there raging. And I forget, they, it was the finals. It was Witty, Witty and Canyon versus uh, Dax and Todd. And they're like, go down, go down on the sand and do the introductions. And I went down on the sand. And all of a sudden, the TV camera was on, and I was yelling in the camera. And I introduced the guys. Because I used to do intros, and I knew them all. So I would go. My whole thing was just go. And I would yeah. long intros, like this, this. And I knew stats. It's, it's from the years of uh, calling my own games in the backyard. Like so I had all these things in my head. You would, you'd get very close to them. Oh, yeah, right, right in the face. Them. And that's it just, just but by the way, so takes a lot that, of guts to do that. that moment. I don't think I ever, I rarely ever did a final not on the sand again because TV was like, oh, we're going to start doing that. And then it became part of the show. And then it became like t- players would come out and dance so, with me. I mean, it just, it took a life of its own. So the, the one it got I, me the, on the, the, to the Olympics. The one I like is this one in Chicago. Yep. And, and it's a oh, da- David so Bowie song's playing. Can, I, can I tell you about this real quick? Please. So this, so, so, so I'm going to so pause you know, it. But you under said pressure, yeah. I would do this. Before game threes in the final. Oh, I see. So game threes in the final. Okay. I loved this song. And it just started as a rant one time. Jeremy played it. And it took a life of its own where people would get to the finals and they'd be like, dude, you didn't do under pressure. So I started like, oh my God. Because like, you got to kind of. So mm-hmm. when game threes would come in a big moment, I would sit on this stage. I yell at Lance Briggs here from the uh, Chicago Bears. Yeah. And so you got a couple of Bears. And this is what yep. you do so well is. Um, you, you will just start working the crowd yeah. while you concurrently introduce yep. and while you will give them a little tidbit of yourself. Yep. I think you say something to the effect here, you want to learn about under pressure? I'm the one who's got a little baby yeah. and, a, and, a pressure, and these people are going to be standing behind me. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> he starts laughing because I talk about him losing the Super Bowl. He's dying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the whole thing is I would build up the four players and I talk about the pressure of the moment. And in that time, my Millie was... Who, who plays in all the AAUs, and you guys all know now, Millie was a baby, and it was on that trip where we was, like, getting the stroller through, and this lady behind me was all pissed, and I'm like, do you even know what pressure is? Like, this is pressure. Yeah, this is pressure. That kid has got a poopy diaper, and I'm trying to get the freaking – I couldn't get the tr- oh, stroller up and get man. it through the – People so, are mad at Yeah, you. so they and, just and thought so it was funny. You, you brought that in there? Yeah, I, I brought I was, it in there. So – yeah, it just and by the way, it's funny you say this. I started to do under pressures from the sand. They had me going down, so it just all took a life of its own. And what was cool about introductions for players is you're right there, and it would be in my ear. They'd be like three, two, one, and NBC would start with me, I remember and that. it would be me on the crowd. Now you did that a whole lot more than than I did. Um, yeah. I had um, basically was on tape with. Um, I was basically on tape with WPVA stuff. Yeah. So theoretically, if you screw up, you could do it over. But um, there was the times where you're either on CBS yeah. or ABC where 
I like that was intense. Yeah, those guys are cursing. No, no, it's and they and you can't if talk you don't back know to it, them. Oh, Bob's and they're yelling in your ear. No, it's gnarly. It is. It's kind of crazy. It's, and it's they gnarly. keep talking while you're doing your introductions. They're yelling at you. How many seconds you have? It's it's. For, I mean, I was just young. I, I hadn't done that. I and, mean, but I, you me did either. NBC all the yeah, time. Here's the thing. Like when I first started, I, I didn't know any of that. Mm. I didn't go to school for it. Nope, they were in the rear. I had no idea. First time I ever did play-by-play for Fox for a Pac-10 game. Polly McPeak it was her first game. I had the producer yelling at me. I had no idea what he was talking about. Mm. I faked it. And and he basically faked my whole career. And here I am sitting across from Denny. <laughs> but but it's funny because that those moments, a week later, we were in Beijing. And wow. I was announcing the Olympics a week after that under pressure you just saw. And Carrie and Misty were in the finals. This is literally uh, – well, okay, a week later we left. So a yeah. few weeks after because they're in the finals. So you go for that whole two weeks. Um, and it was pouring rain and the Chinese player in the finals gold medal match, she's down, they're down and she knows Carrie and Mr. about to win. She goes for the medical timeout. She would always lay there like she was dead. <laughs> and, and, and there's a monsoon, it's pouring rain and she's down for like 10 minutes. So I go out and I just start going. And I'm breaking. I'm yelling at all. I'm twenty thousand people. I'm doing my whole thing. I got. I got Vince. I got Vince Vaughn right there in the corner. I'm doing the driving the bus back to Cali. He's uh, everyone. It, what oh, I didn't know was wow. all the Today Show people were in the crowd. Al Roker, Meredith, uh, okay. their, their producers. So all of a sudden, I get a call that night. Well, they actually called the USA Volleyball, and they got in touch with me, and they're like, "They want you on the Today Show tomorrow night." What? After Phil and Todd's, if Phil and Todd win, they're going to be on as well. They want you on. They want you to introduce them. And I'm like, I brought one nice outfit. I swear I put this into existence. I dreamt this. I, I had a feeling. I had one nice outfit in case something good happened. Man, I put those slacks on, that shirt. I went. I was, I'd never been more nervous in my life. Wow. So I'm sitting there, and they taped it at night live at night so i'm in my truck i got a truck it's like the women's soccer team and me they had just won gold al roker comes in he's like gator awesome worm you did yeah i'm like oh my god what is happening and by the way we're about to go on and i'm, I'm just like and i'll never forget todd rogers looks over at me and he goes dude what is what is wrong with you i've never seen you like this i go dude i don't know like i'm, I'm freaking out so all of a sudden i walk up we're in a commercial they put the earpiece in and they're like we're coming to you and you're coming in. This is NBC. This well, is today's show. Give you like 30 seconds? Yeah. They're coming to you, and uh, and and, um, and Meredith's going to throw to you mm. to introduce Todd and Phil. So she, all of a sudden she's like, hey, guys, Todd, Bowers, Phil Dahlhauser, blah, blah, blah. They're like, we got a surprise for you. We brought an old friend. They already knew I was there, but throw to me, and I go into the whole thing. And what I'm did doing you, the player what, what, intro. What did you do? Oh, I did the whole, I did the whole thing. I kind of gave their intro. I was okay. like, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, from the day he dropped out of the womb, the doctor looked at the nurse. The nurse looked at the doctor, and the doctor said, this man named the Thin Beast will dominate the world. And I gave it to Todd Rogers, and I did their whole thing. And I, and I all of a sudden, I threw the mic and did the worm. And I got back up in my side. I looked at Al Roker and I, that was for you, Al. And I mean, it was like electric. Oh, and and I have goosebumps thinking about it because it was a moment that brilliant. I like literally dreamt of. And I'm done. And Meredith and Ann are like, oh, this is great. They're like, Phil and Todd are like, oh my God, Phil and Todd had seen it a yeah. million times. So, so they're like, mm-hmm. so they're like, and, and, and Meredith's like, aren't you going to miss him? And this is, when it, this, this is when it hit me that people don't even have a clue about beach volleyball. We're, this is NBC. They thought they were going to graduate. No, she's, Todd's like, no, we're seeing him next week in Cincinnati. That's what he said. Like, we're on your air, dummy. Yeah, they didn't even know. So here's the deal. I'm like, now I'm like feeling good. I'm not nervous anymore. I'm like, it's the greatest night of my life. I'm going to go party my ass off. Let's go. And all of a sudden, I'm like, getting a hold of the wife. She's watching live. And all of a sudden, like, they come over to me. They're like, producers want to know if you'll stay the whole three hours. Oh. I stayed the whole time. 
I brought us out of break one time and gave intros. So they're like, we want you to do it for Al, Meredith, and Ann. And I go, well, then you got to give me infos. I want bullet points. What have they done while they're on this trip? Wow. I got bobsledding champion Al Roker. I got all the crazy, and I did full introduction Come on. for them. That is so but good. I, the last half you, hour it, in Beijing, it starts with me, and I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the audience, and I'm like, it's the last half hour I in Beijing. Yeah. Is I know. It, does this live somewhere? It's yeah. I mean, it's on, it's, I, I, it's 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 all. It's funny as I have it somewhere on a DVD, and I was all, I was funny. I was looking for it the other day, and I didn't I didn't go deep enough. But I I think yeah. it, it used to be on a couple websites, oh. so I know I have the link. I would love to Dude, see it. Dude, it was that. like one of my most famous. Did, did, did it, it? It was on my reel for years before you. When you got there and, and you were hired to announce, yeah. did they know they were getting the full geeter, or were they trying to put a cap on what you did? Olympics. Yeah. Uh, that's such a good question. So, the guy, uh, the the um, Austrian announcer was there as well and we were supposed to trade off and he was a really nice guy but it was funny the head of the FIVB Angelo Squayo mm-hmm. he was he didn't it was weird he came to me at the end he, he like wanted me to do the finals I felt really bad because mm-hmm. I did the women I wanted Tom to do that so I just I ended up doing both finals mm-hmm. we were totally trading off until until mm-hmm. the end well you know, these things but happen it happens the Olympics yeah and, well he was more like just like he wasn't the like Angela wanted so, I mean, so, when I went so it met was him under a year the jurisdiction before. of Angela because yeah. it, was, it was more FIVB than it was IOC that was calling the shots. The year before, for okay. I went to Stad with my wife. She was pregnant with Millie. We went on a 10 day trip. We flew, <laughs> funny, we flew from Chicago um, over, and it was the World Championships. And I met with Angelo, and he mm. said, Can you go do something for me? And Jay Gibb and Rosie were playing, and I took the mic, and I went out in Stad. I auditioned for three minutes, and they had this guy, Sasha, was playing for Austria, and he was a monster, and I just went up to his face, and I was screaming at him. Those, he knew who I was from AVP, but he never met me, but those Jake and Rosie were like, this is our guy. So I was just, I was just screaming at him. He's a monster of a man, and I just got the crowd going, basically gave the mic back, and Angela's like, you want to do the Olympics? I'm like, I'm in. We went oh, on our way to Italy. Man. True story. Um, I got asked. I've been real lucky, man. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta you be know, honest. You, you talk about something. Some moments, you said, you, I heard you say something about always say yes. Yes. And then figure it out, right? That's what I always and, tell college um, kids and high school kids. And say I, yes. I said no um, to the Atlanta Olympics. Um, In 96? I, yeah, because they weren't going to pay me. Well, okay, then you're so, okay to say no there. Cause but, but. Yes, dude. They were just going, no, 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 you come out on your own dime. Imagine that. They're asking you to do the Olympics for free. And by the way, the Olympics don't yeah. pay much at all. I, but it's a more of grand, a, I but wish I, I would have said yes. Back then, you know, now my you uncle, look the back. boxing announcer, yeah. he said no to the first Rocky because no they way. weren't going to pay him enough. And gave it to Buffer? Or who did it? One of those guys? My, no, it was, if you've watched the first Rocky, it's some anonymous. No. Guy. But he's, at, uh, he's in Rocky three. my Uncle Jim. Dude. So I do have his action figure up there. But he said no to See, Rocky one. See, but that's one, hard, and Denny, he said, because he said, 96, time, you're, you're, you're trying to make a living, dude, also. Yeah. And like, but yeah, now you look back. Right. I wish I would have done it. But I didn't. I always wanted to do one. But always say yes. I, that that kind of hit yes. home. Join us next week for part three of Life is Sweeter with Geeter. Now it's time for an installment of As Time Goes By, where we get to know Carlos Haro Jr. of Casablanca Restaurant in Venice one minute at a time. Remember, if you mention sports stories with Denny Lennon to either Carlos Sr. or Carlos Jr. while you dine at Casablanca, you get a free dessert. Now let's play it again with Carlos Jr., Learning more about the Haro family story. Uh, Carlos, how tell the story about how your father came to establish like Casablanca restaurant, specifically Casablanca, as the name and, and, and so forth. Sure. So here's the story my uh, grandfather used to say. So as I uh, said previously before in other times, my grandfather opened La Caballa. 
saw there was another restaurant available in front, and he was first one of the first innovators who bought two restaurants right next to it. And at that time, he said, if you put restaurants together, you will attract people. Mm. And people thought, this is like, why would you cannibalize yourself? But he said, if you look at it, he was before life, Las Vegas. He was like, you have one hotel that caters to one mm-hmm. demographic, and the other one does it to the other. But at the end, it's a central place where people come, which is kind of like the idea of the strip. Mm-hmm. So his idea. But at that time, it was like, no, you're just going to cannibalize yourself. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm going to make La Caballera a Mexican restaurant. And Casablanca was supposed to be... A f- Based on the movie, it was supposed to be kind of French and all these cuisines. Mm. How the, it goes about is he came up with this menu, came up with the recipes, and the chef later said, we, we can't make any of this. So they <laughs> went right back to make Mexican food. Okay. But they had seafood. But, I mean, literally, that was his idea. He just he, – my grandfather would come up with these great ideas and kind of like Steve Jobs, you, you guys figure out how this idea is going to be implemented. And they're like, I, I don't know what this guy wants to do. But so the idea my, my dad tells me is that eventually we end up doing more Mexican food. And that's how okay. I did that. Two restaurants from the <laughs> same family with a mix, you know. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is supported by the AAU. Find a local event and join at aausports.org. And remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at ballertv.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces. Visit heroesmovementusa.org for more information. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Marley Rice. Edited by Bob McCall and researched by Teresa Dolan. Additional staff include Christine Jimbo, Jake Downey, Ray Castro, and Buck Magic Lennon. Whenever I'm headed to the dog park, there's two things I like. The wind blowing through my hair and listening to sports stories with Denny Lennon. Check it out, Buck!